Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of the Trap or Die podcast provided to you by 214 Media and the Hog Saving Pie. Uh, podcast i'm so used i'm still used getting used to uh not saying that anymore but the hogs haven sb nation site i am your host marty mall uh hand dog mall coach mall all that good stuff man and here with the guest host uh uh doug man big doug is checking in for the episode um dre and aj are on the way we got a guest coming in in about two seconds but doug how you feeling man is everything good with you i'm doing good man the intro went crazy and this backdrop you got here is fire hey well look you know got to work on the improvement from time to time i feel like that was i feel like the, the intro music was a good a good addition to the thing so i'm glad you like it <laughs> yeah i was not uh, ready for that hey man look man we here with it let's go ahead and get the guest man there right now the big dog uh pete haley of nbc sports washington dakota i told you to leave me alone um uh, pete as you all know uh covers the washington commanders for nbc sports washington uh part of the washington football talk podcast uh Keeps you plugged in, damn near every single episode. So make sure you tap into that. Pete, how you how you feeling today, man? You good? I'm definitely good, Maul. Good to see you, Big Doug. This is our second podcast hangout in like a week. We're just developing such chemistry. <laughs> um, it's great to see you again too, and I'm excited to uh, hang out with you all for the next half hour or so. Absolutely. So I got a question for you though. I'm, I'm about to bring in AJ in a second, but I saw your I saw your um. I saw your tweet. Uh, now, now weekends is kind of weird because I don't be on I don't be on Twitter that much on the weekends. I be chilling, but I did see a post and you said something about uh, like a bar tab. And the first thought that I had for you was, um, I wonder if you were drinking because of the fact that uh, the Commanders still haven't settled their quarterback situation. Like, did the bar tab rise because you were stressed out about your job in the next coming months and weeks and things like that? Was that something that was going on in your head right there? <laughs> No, I uh, I was drinking because I like to drink almost every weekend. And if you ask a doctor, I'm probably a, considered like an alcoholic based on just scientific uh, reasoning. So the commander's quarterback situation didn't have anything to do with it. However, <laughs> I had that bar tab kind of the same night that the ownership stuff seemed like it might be happening, like in the next minute or five minutes. And I was definitely getting stressed, like definitely had a few too many drinks. I'm not prepared to be discussing the pros and cons of Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails taking over. So I'm glad I was able to pay that tab, go to sleep, and have no news to worry about that night or the morning. So we survived the week. So let me let me ask you a question. Um, and I think I'm gonna start doing this when we can get when we continue to get like reporters on. Like, what is so if somebody was to ask you, just generally speaking, like what is like your job description? Like I can imagine um like JP, because he's kind of like a, a senior in a sense, because I, I think he's been around like 2010 or 2011 or something like that. His his details is probably more extensive. But like on a day to day, when you're gathering information, when you're talking to certain people, like what exactly is your do- job description of the beat reporter? Like, how do you how do you get your job done as effective as possible? What does that look like? Yeah, I'd say when people ask what I do, 
Um, you can say beat reporter, but I prefer to kind of say, um, you know, any way you you consume Commander's content today, that's where you'll find me, where you'll find us. So we have TV shows, we have the website, we have podcasts. We try to be everywhere that people are. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, just connecting to fans and and people who care about the team on all those channels and yeah each day it's kind of differs but um with the way the nfl is now it feels like 10 and a half out of the 12 months of the year you have something to do you're preparing for the draft preparing for free agency you're looking there's no way you sleep yeah no way it it, there is uh, the month of june and the early half of july is when you can cram in your vacations that's when you can turn your phone off that's when you can hang out but for the other 10 and a half months Anytime your your phone buzzes, it's like, oh, F, what, who did they just trade? Who just got in trouble? Uh, what quarterback did they just put in the lineup? And it's stressful, but it's also really fun. And I told this to Doug on our show with uh, Carmi last week. The fans care so, so much and are so desperate for anyone to provide any sort of insider opinion. It makes our job more fun. If we were covering some crappy team that had a tiny fan base, then it'd be like, wow, no one's even listening to us. But you guys and hundreds of thousands of others are just hanging on to everything this squad does, even though they've been pretty bad for a handful of years. It, it really energizes me and gets me through those weekends where I'm like, God damn it. I would really like to just not have to worry about this right now. AJ, how you feeling big dog? Everything good with you? Yeah, I'm good, man. It just seems like uh, all of my Apple products are failing me at this very moment, whether it be phone, AirPods, laptop. I about an AirPod, bro. You better get them beats by Dre, bro. Yeah, it must be, it must be a new product on the way. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm getting these faulty devices at this moment. Is there a uh, fine for uh, AJ showing up late to the meeting mall? Does he have to like you know run laps after practice or like pay a fine? I think there might need to be one. Well, he, uh, <laughs> I would love to throw people under the bus, but I am not going to do that. I, I have a <laughs> good teammate. You know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I, I exemplify leadership. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to do that to my boy. <laughs> I, I totally um, don't. I'm just looking was, to like. If there was a fine, I would not pay it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, you go to my, uh, guest All right, so we set the line. All right, bet. I, I see. I see what type of time AJ on. I respect it. Um. Okay, let's get into it though. Uh, Pete, there's been. Well, I guess we're in the second week of free agency. Officially, the second week of free agency. They had a little tampering period for about two days, a two day window. Um. But obviously, before that, before free agency even started, we understood that pain. Uh, got his extension with the commanders as well. So um, taking everything into account with the pain resigning, but obviously what they've done to this point, they're even looking at um, today as we're recording slash streaming. Um, Anthony Walker, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, currently a free agent, did a visit with the commanders today. As of now, uh, I just got in from the gym, so I don't even know if he signed or not. I'm assuming he didn't because it would have been news, um, but he visited. Uh, what's everything in, in your head about, the commanders all season to this point how, how are you feeling about these guys i believe they've gotten marginally better and that's probably frustrating for some to hear because i think i've said that the past couple off seasons and they've gotten marginally better marginally better but it hasn't really resulted in them winning one or two or three more games than they have the year before or two years before they've been stuck in the seven eight nine i, I shouldn't even give ron rivera nine yet it's been seven seven eight so far in the win column but i like that they went out and addressed the offensive line right away they didn't screw around and pretend like it was okay. They, they signed two guys right away. They got a definite starter and a hopeful starter in Wiley and Gates. Um, linebacker, it's, it's a bit of an even split right now, but if they bring in Walker, that's two new linebackers and you're losing Cole Holcomb, so that's some fresh blood there. And uh, Jacoby Brissett, 
raises the floor of the quarterback position. I don't know if he's going to make them uh, any better. And I hope that Sam Howell starts every game this year because that would mean that the future looks brighter. But at least Percet gives you a fallback option. So I wouldn't give him an A because they haven't had the wow signing or wow acquisition. And that counts trades. A lot of teams are making trades. And that's something the commanders haven't really dipped their toe in. See the Cowboys, the Giants, and the division making trades for offensive playmakers. The commanders haven't done that or really uh, explored that, I don't think. They tried to do it with Stafford a couple years ago, but that didn't work out. So, um, But I put them in the B, B-minus range. They are slightly better. They're slightly deeper. But the draft is where they're going to have to really impress me to uh, make me feel great about the offseason. Let, let, let me ask you guys this, uh, especially with the first week of the offseason um, and the free agency period already taking place. Do you feel like every offseason we just go through a period with, with Ron and company where they're just adding Jags, <laughs> just another guy, essentially, and, and just like trying to commit, uh, create like a committee? whether it be on the offensive side of the ball or defensively. I mean, even look at today, the fact that they're now talking or visit having Anthony Walker visit is like, what are you doing at the linebacker position? Is this just about to be a, another open competition? Like, how do, how do you guys feel about that? I guess, Doug, if you want to go ahead and, and just kick that off. Well, I wonder if it isn't more of a – I think the roster is close enough to where they want. Like, what guys were out there – that they missed out on like it doesn't feel like that Stafford year where Ron tried to swing like Ron tries to swing big once at least every year it feels like a free agent and then kind of fill in the gaps I don't know who was out there in free agency other than like Orlando uh Brown Jr a guy like that which I don't think they were going to be in on like where were you upgrading in free agency that they didn't I mean like look at Look at the deals that have happened with the linebackers, whether it be like the Levante Davids that returned back at Tampa or the Shazier that went to Tennessee or Devin Bush. Like it, it just – and even the offensive line, like Pete, I mean, you covered the team, beat reporter. Is Andrew Wiley even like guaranteed lock? Of course, we look at the salary and say, hey, he has to play – but is he guaranteed lock at right tackle? Like I, I watched the interview that he did with you guys uh, and the rest of the media representatives, and he kind of essentially was just saying, hey, whatever they need me to do, <laughs> like what the hell does that mean? What do you mean? Like where are I, you playing? I, <laughs> I would I would calm you down about linebacker. Um, this Them spending so much money at linebacker would be a little foolish because they don't play three at a time. Sometimes they don't play two at a time. They drafted Jamin Davis in the first round a couple of years ago. So they spent capital via the draft at that position. Um, and you're hoping that because Payne and Allen are there in the middle for 15, 16, 17 games, and you have Sweat and Young, that you don't need your linebackers to be the Levante David level. You can have them be pretty good, but because they're playing such playing behind such a dominant D line, they're going to have more chances to look really good. So linebacker, I wouldn't get too twisted up about. Offensive line, I get your point. Like, maybe you would have liked them to have gotten Brown instead of Wiley. Did they get the wrong Chiefs tackle? I think Wiley is a little bit better than league average, but maybe from their side, they're looking at it. Not only did they get Wiley, but now they can slide Cosme into guard. So in that way, you're addressing two starting spots by signing 
one player. I don't think Wiley is a world beater by any means, but I think he's a Wiley, I almost said a Wiley veteran, which would have been so cheesy. I think he's a smart veteran who can get in the way of guys at right tackle. He may not be pancaking them, but he can be smart with his techniques. And then Cosme can be a little more athletic, a little more of a presence at guard. So look, I think for agency more and more these days, it's about what kind of players do you find in those one to two year deals who outperform versus what kind of guys do you get at three or four year deals for tens of millions of dollars who need to be perfect or else that contract looks foolish. Um, but like with William Jackson, they signed and paid him all that money and it didn't work out and that set him back a little bit. But in 2020, they got McKissick and Logan Thomas on cheap deals and they became core pieces. So that's where I'm thinking. Maybe I'm being a little optimistic. You certainly have a right to be upset with them, AJ, but I think they're hoping that Cody Barton can be a little better behind Payne and Allen. They're hoping uh, Gates, when healthy, can be a starting center and that they get more bang for their buck. I've, I've always said, because um, I don't, I see your, like, to what you're saying, Pete, I've always said that um, I see, like, they're, I see what they're, I see their angle. Like, I think the question is, like, whether or not it's going to work out because this is the angle that you chose to, this is what you want to do. Okay, I see what you're trying to do. You you want to bank on these these low end signings because you see what they can possibly do in your scheme if they flourish. But understand that they haven't reached that potential yet at their prior destination. So, what exactly are you going to get when they come here? Are they are you going to get the same production that they that they had at the other team, or are they actually going to elevate uh, their production when they join? Um, and that's like one angle. And then AJ's angle is like, why even wade through that when you can just go and go after these and, and be more aggressive for these other guys? And personally speaking, um, I've always like, especially this year, like I, I, and it, I guess it feels weird, but like, I don't have a, I don't have a side. Like I don't have that anymore because of exactly what's going on with the the organization as a whole. Like. Why invest so much time into a guy? I don't even know if he's going to be here, whether he, he goes to the playoffs or not. I don't know if he's going to be here. Like, why invest my time, like me thinking, into Ron Rivera and what decisions he's making when he may not even be here, regardless of what he does, uh, what he what he does. And that may not be fair for like just the 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 people who concern themselves about the team, which is understandable. But at the same vein, like these are some guys uh, who understand where they are from a a macro standpoint, but also know like these or what you said, Pete. These are people who understand like they're competing every single year. Like why make drastic changes when things are just around the in their perspective, things are just around the corner from being consistently good. Um, that's kind of how I'm viewing things, but it is a little, it's a weird dynamic for me this year. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I don't want to give the team a pass. Like AJ can, again, can be pissed off with the lack of aggression and uh, you know, they, they have only found marginal players and, why, like you said, Maul, like, okay, if you're finding marginal players, you need to be confident that you can raise their play. But this coaching staff seems to sometimes take forever to put guys in the right spots um, and, and maybe harm the development of certain players. So it, all the skepticism is warranted. I think the issue, and you touched on them all there, is that this year is just so difficult. It feels like it's just going to be its own year in the history of the organization. Like you have to, it just feels like it's going to exist on its own because of ownership. And I don't know if they had, I mean, they got paying at that big contract, right? But I don't know if they had the, the full uh, budget to go out and go crazy in free agency. And because of Ron's tenuous standing as a head coach, like it's just so much uncertainty that why would you commit all this long-term resources when 
the principal head coach, maybe the GM, maybe the president, maybe everything resets in a year. So it's it sucks for fans who are desperate for this thing to go in the right direction. But this might just have to be a year where um, it's like a, a movie series. And this is the one movie that like doesn't really make any sense. And then you just kind of forget about it and move on. And then the next movie comes out and you're like, OK, this is more what I was hoping to see. But I want to add to Pete's point about that, about the whole movie thing. Like, that's actually a great analysis because I was going to say he kind of builds it at a turtle-like pace. Um, and that this <laughs> season is like watching your favorite TV show or something that you're going to have to wait two years for them to come out with a new episode. So it's, that's kind of like the mode I am as a fan right now. And it almost feels like Ron has been building the roster that way this year in the offseason. Like, they're not making any drastic moves. There's no sense of desperation. There's no sense of urgency. Like, last year, like, the big conversation was, oh, we get the quarterback, we move on to the next level. You know, this team's ready to take the step. Like, Ron, for some reason, he thinks this roster is really good. I mean, it is a decent roster, but they are missing the quarterback. But this year, there's no sense of urgency from Ron or anyone when you hear them talk. There's no sense of desperation, and not even at the quarterback position. It's like we're we're just going to slowly and keep methodically building this team. And I've always said from the beginning, the best thing Ron probably will do in his tenure in Washington is set it up better for the next person that comes after him. And that's what it's looking like. Cause the next person probably, if Sam, Howe doesn't work out, the next person that comes in here is likely probably only going to need to get that quarterback, you know? And I mean, cause the roster isn't bad. It isn't what he took over with in 2019 or 2020 when he came in. So He's like I said, he's methodically building, but I love the movie role that this doesn't make sense, maybe. But it's probably like the wire to uh, the wire season two. Like people didn't like the wire season two because it didn't make sense, it didn't, you know, kind of follow up the first season. But then it all tied in when you look at it back, you know, from a whole. But, but Dre, when you when you say that, I guess my issue, I didn't really have an issue with them, uh, free agency wise. I already knew what to expect under Ron Rivera and what he's done in Carolina. I think more so for me is because of the certain talent that you have on your team and certain guys that are up for contracts and the fact that you just paid Deron Payne, another failed season, especially not acquiring the proper quarterback or this whatever project with Sam Howell doesn't work you're losing this team even further. Like you're going to, you're going to get guys super frustrated on this team overall and start asking for trades and want to move on to other destinations. And you're still in the same position of what do we do at quarterback? Are we drafting the guy or are we back to possibly this Lamar Jackson talk again? Maybe it, it, it's just, I don't know. That's, that's the part that I look at. Dre, well, Dre, you I probably, you probably were right about the coach at least, as far as getting them to where they needed to go before the next guy steps in. Because remember when Rivera got here, I mean, it was a mess. And it was it got even messier, nothing that he could have ever imagined. Uh, AJ, to your point, what Ron probably will be remembered for is not being able to hit the quarterback. I mean, imagine how different this team, how different the organization is if they had pulled off the Stafford trade two years ago. Right. Like anything, any, and, and that's why they keep, I mean, that's what, what were they going to do other than how this year? I mean, they didn't have very many options. Yeah. And I guess I, I, I'm glad Dre that you liked my movie analogy. I appreciate it. <laughs> I guess the, the one issue with it is that when you make a movie like that, all right, the characters don't age, you make the season, the wire season, and then you can film wire season three and the characters are like two weeks older. 
But in real life, in the NFL, Terry McLaurin's a year older. Jahan Dotson gets another season of wear and tear. So you can't just freeze these guys' career. And that goes to AJ's talking about how you maybe frustrate players. You get them wanting to look elsewhere. So uh, it, it is dangerous to look at it as a, all right, I'm just preparing this team. I'm, I want to make sure we don't bottom out and maybe I'll get it in a spot where it's good for the next head coach. It's it's nice and presentable, um, but it doesn't always work that way, especially in the NFL when uh, week to week guys are just fighting for every part of their job, every part of their contract, all that good stuff. Well, let me ask you this question, Pete, and uh, Doug as well. <clears throat> are y'all under, like, and, and I, I want to emphasize the fact that we say this often, like, in terms of like a fan's perspective or just just general following of football, like we automatically say yes to this question um, because it's the right thing to say technically. But the question is like, are you all like a real believer of draft a quarterback no matter what up until the point that you find your answer? Um, and the reason why I ask it and I prefaced it saying things the way I said, like sometimes it's not easy to get, I can imagine. I know I'm not in the NFL, but sometimes it's just not easy. Like rolling up at pick 16 or pick 10, whatever number you are. And you're content with what you have, like because of who you had the year before or who you currently have on your roster right now, who you acquired in free agency, maybe. And you see another player that's a game changer at another position. And you say, I would rather go for this person as opposed to going and reaching for a, a quarterback when we can kind of put this, the person that we currently have as a placeholder. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it does work out to its best, we're playoff contention. And we're probably talking about uh, at least a title game, like in terms of like their vision. Um, Like, are you on that boat of, yes, I don't, I don't care where they're at. Like we have Joe Jacoby Brissett. We have Sam Howe this year, but if we see something that we like in that first round, or maybe even that second round, one of our top two picks, then we're going to go ahead and we're going to take this quarterback at this position. Like, where are y'all at with uh, the, the overall theory behind always taking that quarterback, no matter what? Go ahead, Doug. Well, I mean, I guess if you like him, I'd do it. But I don't think I'd be taking quarterback just for the sake of taking quarterback. Like, personally, I don't like any of the quarterbacks after the first two probably this year, which you'd have to be up in the first two spots to get. Uh, I've always said, I mean, I would I would have preferred that they'd have traded up for Justin Fields a couple of years ago. And to me, that's how you reset this. I know Ron was trying to pull like, I, I guess, the Brady type situation where you build the roster up then insert quarterback. It, it's it's I think it's tougher to do it that way. And then outside of that, I mean, some people talk about, you know, shooting your shot every year outside of the first two rounds. I mean, I'm not into it just because of the the hit rate is so low hit rate so low in the first round you start getting out of the second round it's just incredibly ridiculous yeah i wouldn't rule anything out if uh somehow someone falls them at 16 then they should evaluate it i don't think that'll happen um but also i wouldn't hate it if somehow a guy falls they don't love him they just want to try Hal, who's already been with the team for a year like to me Hal, he's he's not a rookie by uh, technicality, but he's basically your rookie quarterback this year. And he's a fifth rounder and he's a little short, but there are tools to build around. He's got a great arm. He can move around. He's tough. He's durable. Uh, he's got a really nice business-like approach. Like I saw him in the locker room a ton this year. He was always on his iPod, iPad. Like doesn't seem like to be a guy who jokes around. Like he takes this very seriously. So go and find that tight end at 16 
that Eric Bieniemy really wants and who can elevate this offense or go get a third corner that makes your defense better and can pick off passes. So Hal is set up. You're right, Doug. I don't like trying to build everything and then dropping in a quarterback. Cause I think when you have the quarterback, he has an impact on everything else. But as we saw at the Niners they're there, when you have a team that is flawless or has so many offensive weapons, they can carry a quarterback along with them and lessen that responsibility. So this year, and again, it goes into Rivera. Like I don't want this coaching staff, whether the enemy fails or he succeeds and goes elsewhere, I don't know if he's going to be around for more than one year. And I don't want Rivera and the enemy to get their hands on a quarterback that takes all this draft capital. And then boom, they're out the door and this quarterback has his head spinning because he's now working with the second head coach. So that's a long way of saying I would be fine with them going a different position first, second, third round when they really need to build out the roster. And then you can maybe throw a dart in the fourth or fifth round, a guy like DTR from UCLA or something mm. to try and have another arm. But for the most part, I think with Brissett and Hal, you have a guy who can be your long-term and a guy who can get you through 2023. And for me, that's good enough right now. So I guess just to piggyback off of Maul's question that he posed to you guys, um, by any chance did you guys get to see uh, Josina Anderson's tweet earlier today in regards to commanders and, you know, possibly exploring the new ownership group, exploring that QB option immediately? Um, for me, she's one of the better insiders in the NFL that actually has a rapport with players how I took it was she's probably had a conversation with Lamar and his mom <laughs> about, about what team would you be interested in outside of Baltimore? And that's, there's a reason why she posted that tweet. Do you give that any, any credence? I mean, I haven't been following too crazy with this ownership stuff. Cause I mean, for me, it's like when it happens, it happens. But as you know, Pete, Doug, and all of us here, the fan base was going crazy over the weekend as if like something was literally announced, all type of individuals making all type of posts. Like it, it was I hope y'all been blocking them because I ain't, I'm not. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm I've not, been. Any, man, I've been people with lots of sources right, this weekend. I, I, I man, can't stand I, there, bro. I can't. I got accounts. I got accounts blocked. Those I got nine dollar a month Twitter subscribers. <laughs> I got I got Sam Howell muted. I got Taylor Heineke muted. I got all type of things muted. But like, do you give it any credence? Because I, I feel like she didn't say that blindly. She knows something. She can also I, do that to help stir up his pot a little bit more, right? That's what like, I said. It, yeah. I mean, I but mean, isn't what, what, what I take from Jackson? What I trade for her though. But Doug, what incentive is there for her? It's not like she's going to get 2%. She's not going to get 2%. No, I think it, it, yeah. it's – she's like, okay, I'll do you a favor, Lamar, and then when That's you right. make a decision on your contract, you're going to text me. That's usually how that works. I think there's incentive. Yeah. Um, if a new owner were to come in next week, then, yeah, I think that owner would be justified in, in looking at Lamar Jackson. I think an under-talked-about part of this – is would the Ravens want to trade Lamar to their neighbors when the Ravens have slowly been taking over the commander's area and fans have been failing, not in huge numbers, but are looking down the road. Oh, that's an awesome quarterback, a stable as hell organization. They win all the time. There's no owner in congressional hearings. Like, I'm going to go root for them. I don't think it would make sense for the Ravens to be like, here, commanders, here's our main player, a guy who can elevate everything you do and make you more relevant take him and we'll take two first rounders. I don't think it's worth it. And that's, you know, that's the Ravens might look at it only from a football perspective, but, but from a business perspective, you're giving the rival team down the street from you a main reason for people to buy. in. I just don't think it'd be wise for Baltimore 
and that perspective to to give the commanders that guy. So the commanders can want Lamar all they want, but the Ravens have to be willing to give it to him. So how, how would you – How would, AJ, I've been saying the same thing. Like, I don't think Baltimore would trade him to D.C. Because, for one thing, Baltimore doesn't like us very much. Like, D.C., I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit biased, but I feel like we don't think about Baltimore much. But they do not like us. I mean, it, they showed us that with the baseball team. Peter Angelos would not – he did not want D.C. getting the baseball team. That's why we are in this horrible TV contract right now, and I can't watch the Nationals because I have YouTube TV. So, I mean, if Baltimore trading Lamar Jackson to the commanders, John Harbaugh – I mean, Harper always talks about, oh, we're taking the fan base from the, uh, the commanders. We're taking them from the Redskins, whatever. But they, they do not want to give us any reason to wake up a sleeping giant because they know if they wake up a sleeping giant, the, the commanders takes over everything in this area. They're just they're back to whatever they were. <laughs> totally agree. So um, I guess I'll fit in one question right quick. Uh, and, and if you all have any last questions for Pete. Uh, we can go ahead and get that out the way, but do we think, um, how do I want to phrase this? Cause I don't want to give, I don't want to give people like AJ cause there's a lot of people who think like AJ hope, <laughs> but do we, do we think hey, that, do we think that Washington, it, there's nothing wrong with thinking like AJ, if you think like it's AJ, not, it's nothing, it's the, nothing wrong on the it's right path with, to success, young man yes. and young lady. Yes, continue to be you. There's nothing wrong with thinking like AJ, but I want everybody to understand that if I ask this question, I don't want people. All right, what's the percent chance that ownership, new ownership, entertains uh, a a new quarterback in 2023 named uh, Lamar Jackson? Uh, Is this is this something that we can really like put some some credence into? Because I understand where AJ is coming from with his respect for Josina Anderson. Um, but I guess I'll leave it that much because I know like what Dre said as well, it could be some alternative or ulterior motives for, for pushing a, a tweet out there like that as well. So what's the percent chance? Is it below 50? Where are we at? Yeah, I'd say it's well below 50. This is a complete guess, but 10 to 15%. That owner will want to really make his or her or their names uh, and their presence is felt, and there'd be no better way to do that than acquiring Lamar Jackson. So I'm sure they would look at that. I, I think it'd be stupid not to, but maybe Ron and the, and the and the Martys and all those guys would be able to kind of push back, say, hey, Lamar's great, but instead of giving up first round picks and tens of millions of dollars, let's see what Sam Howell can do. He, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson, but at $800,000 a year salary and a contract that runs a couple more seasons, he could be something for us. So let's, let's take a chill pill. Welcome. Here's the building. You know, why don't you go fix the pipes that are bursting? Why don't you get our players some better food? Uh, skip the whole Lamar Jackson thing, and we'll we'll circle back in twelve months from now. If, yeah, just, if we're talking about the, oh yeah, go, go ahead, ahead Joe, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say if we're talking about the percentage that it happens, like it's extremely low. The percentage that a new owner may be interested, I mean, slap Lamar Jackson jerseys up for sale and see what happens in the Commanders, you know, all new white uniforms, and that, and that's why you know an owner would say. Uh, Yes, please. Here's four years, 200 million. Uh, The problem is, you know, all the assets. I just obviously I don't think it would happen. Would I entertain it as an owner? I mean, who's more marketable in the league than Lamar Jackson? There are very few players. And I was just going to say, if uh, whoever the owner is, if he comes in right out the gates and say, 
we're going out. We're getting Lamar Jackson right now. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'll be a little off put. I'll feel like, oh, we got Dan Jr. back. <laughs> like Dan, Dan Snyder Jr. is back. I mean, because I yeah. felt like that's what he did when he took over the franchise in 1999. He was like, hey, we're just coming out. We're getting all named guys. I'm not listening to anyone that's already in place and staff here. We're getting who I want to get. And I feel like for a new owner to come in and say that without having, you know, hired a GM or even, you know, maybe had, you know, multiple conversations with those in place, I feel like he just comes right in. He's stepping over toes and, you know, like I said, we're back in 1999 again. I mean, at least that's the perception I would get if that was the case. And he comes right out the gate doing that. It, hey, fairness, Dre. There's a difference between 26-year-old Lamar Jackson and 41-year-old Bruce Smith. But I, I do hear what you're saying. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, Dre, it, it goes back to new ownership. Like, you have no ties, no emotion towards Ron Rivera, Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew. And you already, in your mind, you've had, you got fixated that these guys are out anyway. So you probably already been talking to potential GM candidates that you plan on, you know, acquiring maybe after this draft or later throughout the season. So are you going to sit back and listen to what Ron Rivera tells you about acquiring an elite quarterback at the age of 26 that's been a league MVP? Like, and also you could take them from, that market that's down the street and improve your local market revenue wise. Cause you, you now have all the financials and you can see that this market has been hit uh, because they don't have a marquee player to market. Like fan base loves Terry McLaurin. You know, they were behind Chase Young rookie year, but they really don't have a person to market uh, that can, that can cross lines to encourage younger fans to come in, especially with the name change. Like they don't have that guy. So they got the you mascot, sit back bro. And... Yeah, Major Tutty. But I mean, are you going to sit back as an owner and say, oh, I got to take credence to what Ron Rivera tells me when I know that this this fool is I, gone at the end of the year? I, hey, AJ, well, I got to ask you this. If this Josh Harris, let's just hypothetically say it's Josh Harris. Josh Harris hasn't owned an NFL team. He hasn't, you know, been a general manager for an NFL team. So, you know, for me to kind of just go with anything Josh Harris says about an NFL team when he walks through the door, I'm like, I'm going to be a little hesitant because I don't, I haven't seen Josh Harris build an NFL team. So I don't know if I'm just going to go ahead and just take his word. Oh yeah. He comes in. What he says is power, you know? So that's why I would just be a little bit off. But, and as far as like, you know, Baltimore, my, my, my question, well, my, response to you know you bringing up Lamar and Baltimore Baltimore hasn't offered him a contract or they haven't brought him back you know and that's the question I would be asking you know I, I understand Lamar's 26 and everything but you got to ask why is the Ravens not you know breaking their back to sign this guy or bring him back right now well and well, how, how much could they have how much could they have to get my bad Ma, how, how much could they possibly already have together infrastructure wise I think something that I probably don't pay enough attention to is their Sean Payton comments, like potential owner groups had talked to him. So, I mean, if you extrapolate that out, if they did it with Sean Payton, there's no reason to think that all these, that these all these things are lined up. Have, they already, <laughs> they could already have a GM ready and, and waiting and they could have had, you know, discussions with him and maybe Joe Cena about things like that. It's not impossible. Uh, particularly but in, in April, the of those I wouldn't Payton want a new stuff. GM coming in April. <laughs> like I want him in place. If well, I, I mean, all these guys are still, I mean, all these guys are lifers and grinders that get these VP of, you know, these football ops jobs. So it's not like they don't know who's in the draft. You know what I mean? Like I, I understand this is the kind of year time of year when all the work's been put in, 
But these guys, like, say Lewis Riddick. Say they had talked to Lewis Riddick about being the GM. I mean, Lewis is still studying these guys. So they could come in that close to the draft, I think, and get it done, although that's usually not what happens. I think when Ron got here, even he kept Kyle Smith, right? So um, yeah, but they could Kyle have Smith, already- hold on, hold on, let's Kyle call Smith it for a like, Right after the, uh, after the draft, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. I forgot. Uh, maybe Pete knows, but <laughs> I want to make sure I, I, I get Pete out of here, man, because I, I know he said he, he or he told me he had a little bit of uh, he was on a time, so I, I want to make sure that I get a floor to you, Pete. Anything? Man, I heard Pete. I heard Pete say he was and, staying with us for the whole show. I swear. I yeah. I, I so I I said that you talk, I, you I, talking I, about fine. We about to I we about plan, to find you, Pete. Off, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but listen though, I want I want to give you the floor, man. Plug anything and everything that you got going on. Uh, and again, I appreciate you for joining us, big dog. Uh, we'll have you back again, of course, down the line. Yep. AJ's last one in. I'm first one out. We're like the exact opposite of what you need in a quarterback. We're just setting really bad examples here. Um, but uh, yeah, find me on Twitter at Pete Haley NBCS and stay tuned to the Washington Football Talk podcast. I'm dying to record a Dan Snyder has sold the commanders. I almost said sell, which is not the word. Hey, but, um, so before the- you get out of here, Pete, what, what is your plans that day? Like when, if it happens, I need to know like, the first drink you, too. Like what, what going, bottle are you, are you opening up? Bar? Are you going to bar? Like what, what are your plans? Cause I mean, I'm not that invested in who the ownership group is, but I'm hearing about parades. I'm saying permit uh, yeah. licensing yeah. and all this stuff. Like for you in particular, what are your plans the day that breaks? Like, let's say he's probably planning a party. What, what a let's party say we get off of this at <laughs> 9 p.m. tonight. Breaking news that I don't know Jeff Bezos and Michael Jordan are buying the Commanders. <laughs> what, what what are the first things you're gonna do in in the in the next 30 minutes after that breaks? <laughs> I'll probably have a panic attack because it's going to be the biggest day of my professional career. And then I'll work a bunch of hours. And then at the end, I'll have a nice glass of bourbon and reflect on the two plus decades of Dan Snyder's disastrous ownership. Uh, but I got to roll, boys. This has been really, really fun. Maul, thank you for the invite. Thanks for all the other the questions and stuff, guys. And I appreciate the show. Sorry, I got to dip early. Next time, I'll do a full hour. You have my word. But this has been fun. Thank you. Yes, sir. Appreciate Take care. You, All right, Pete. All right, we got Thanks, you. We'll, we'll send you the invoice for that. Uh, that fine. <laughs> well, let, let's let's ask let's ask Dre something right quick because uh, I'm not going to tell you what AJ answered how he responded, but we're gonna see we're gonna see what type of time Dre on, man. So Dre, you were a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You were a little bit late too. And Pete off, Pete offered like, what are the fines? For people who are late, man, if we if we if we sent you a fine for the Trap or Die podcast, man, are you paying that fine or are you, you paying it? Hey, if it's ten dollars, I could pay it. You know what I'm saying? Go go in a petty money fund. <laughs> hey, they said he ain't paying shit, bro. Hey, you you better you know, I'm gonna be like fuck your fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, bro. We ain't do nothing to him, man. Um, okay, so where are we at? I, I think so. Um, I. The Lamar Jackson thing is one is is one situation. I think quarterback overall. I, I guess Doug, let's start let's start with you. Uh, since we've last talked, fellas, AJ Dre. Um, I mean, now we know Jacoby Brissett is is here, and we touched on him briefly just from the quarterback position altogether. Uh, but but do we think that uh, Jacoby is going to be the starter in Week One, or is this like a how do you kind of envision this quarterback situation playing out? Um, I, I don't think that um Sam Howell as is as we know right now is drastically better than anybody as far as we know it's the actual opposite 
and that Jacoby is drastically better than Sam Howe until we know a little bit something uh, more about Sam. And, 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 and with that in my head, it screams that there's a huge challenge ahead uh, of Sam Howe. Um, unless he just is lights out better, but there's a huge challenge ahead of Sam Howe, and he's going to have to showcase coaches and his teammates that he is the right person for the job. Uh, and Jacoby in his intro presser said that, you know, he's here for competition. Competition doesn't scare him. Like it is the nature of his job. So if he loses it, it's whatever, it's fine. It's perfectly fine with us. But I, I don't think that Jacoby's coming into this mindset is like, I'm about to be this number two guy. Like he's ready to take Sam Howe's job. And he's ready to show Sam how a player is how you get it done. Um, but where are y'all at? Like, how do you think this, how do you all envision this Q, uh, quarterback uh, competition playing out? But the easiest way for Ron to keep his job and EB is to get how to work. Right. I mean, that's to me that, yeah. that's it. You want to keep your job? Show me the Sam how it works so that we can keep rolling on the rookie contract I guess, in fairness to the enemy, the same thing can be uh, said for Brissett, who has looked good in places. I, I, get, I guess if you can get either one to work, I get it. But certainly, if, if you can get how to work, I would think the new ownership team would look highly on that. So, I think if you have a real quarterback competition, this is just my opinion, but I feel like if you ask me today in March, that I, J- Jacoby Brissett will win the competition. I think he will just win it outright. But Doug has an excellent point in that in order for Ron and EB to kind of work, they have to kind of make Sam Howell work. But I also get the notion that EB isn't a type of guy that's going to just roll with Sam Howell because Sam Howell, they have to make Sam Howell work. I feel like EB is the type of person that's going to be like, man, whoever wins this battle, whoever's going to make us look the best, that's who I want to start. And I say that because the last couple of years, you know, Washington fans have kind of, you know, teased the, the the quarterback competition process. I mean, last year it was, well, Carson Wentz was their guy last year. It was no kind of, um, you know, debate about that. But the year before that, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke was lauded as this quarterback competition. But I think everyone knew that it wasn't a real competition, that it was going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick's job. They they just, they were going to give him the job and he had it outright. And, and I think the year before it was the same with Dwayne Haskins. And I think it was Kyle Allen or yeah, Kyle Allen at the time was backing him up. They said it was a quarterback competition, and he said Dwayne has his one, and that didn't feel like a real competition. But this year, it may feel like a bit of the same to some fans because, you know, you're going into it, you're saying, hey, Sam Howell's going to compete with Jacoby Brissett. But like I said, the difference is you have Eric Bieniemy here. And Eric Bieniemy doesn't strike me as a guy that's just going to roll with someone just because uh, of optics, uh, so to speak, or perception, so to speak. So I think that Sam Howe is really going to have to come in prepared. And I hope Pete is right and that he is the guy that takes this serious because Jacoby Brissett, he's a veteran. He knows this league. And at this point, I kind of liken him to a Geno Smith. You know, Geno Smith went through all the battles, you know, and everything. He was the backup quarterback at a lot of places. People were signing him without the intention of starting him. But then he went into Seattle and he found himself in a position to kind of, you know, change the perception of him. And he went out and worked and got him a damn contract this year. I'm not saying that Jacoby Brissett uh, do that, but I kind of feel like he's in that same mode as a Geno Smith, a guy that's kind of forgotten about 
a guy that you only think of as a backup quarterback in the NFL. And then they just come out and they just steady and they steady and they show you something. And that's what he kind of did at Cleveland last year. I mean, I felt like, you know, last year that Cleveland was a, you know, he, he had a pretty damn good year, you know, given the circumstances starting for Cleveland last year. I mean, it was better than I thought he would play. I mean, I'm not saying he could be a top half of the league starter or anything, but again, he could be like a Geno Smith where he could change the perception around him and he's going to come prepared. So if Sam Howell wants this job, I, I think he's really going to have to play his ass off in the summer. And it's not just because Jacoby Briss is going to come pre- prepared, but I, I really don't think this time around they're going to give the job away to a guy. Yeah. I mean, and as you know, that's been my concern with whoever they were going to bring in as a veteran quarterback to, I guess, quote unquote, compete backup, whatever the case, man, guys like Jacoby Brissett, uh, Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever you wanted to, that were guys that had experience playing in these games, they're they're going to be head and shoulders above Sam Howe because, one, he's not familiar with even running a West Coast system, and there's some things in his game that I just hate. I hate the double padding of the ball. I hate the lack of going through progressions and how, like, uh, Mac Brown and their staff kind of told him to run the ball so quickly if he didn't see certain things. I'm just concerned that he's not going to be able to meet up to the to the spotlight of what has been put on him. Like he has so much weight on him from the fan base and just himself. I feel like he's a guy that is locked in and, and serious about his craft. But at the end of the day, you still got to go on that field and, and produce and show that you can actually, you know, regurgitate what you're getting in the film room on the field. And I just don't see that. And like you, Dre, I think that Jacoby Brissett is going to be the start of week one. In, in fairness, AJ, uh, to the kid, they asked him to run like that the, the last year because all the weapons were gone and they, and they had nothing. Because if you look at the year before, when you had the two uh, running backs and the two wide receivers ended up in the league, I think he ran for like 150 yards compared to the 900 that he got the next year. So I don't know that that's, I think the opposite, instead of knocking a guy for that, I think you should applaud a guy when the coach had said, Hey, we're good. We're good. Need you to run it, you know, 15 times more this year. And, and he said, you know what? No problem. I got that. And he did. So, I mean, that that's on the coaching staff, not on him. He didn't decide to just run for, 900 yards i'm sure he didn't want to he didn't the year before yeah i know he didn't decide but i think i think the fact that they put that in his head it stopped him from really going through progressions on the field and he just immediately if he didn't see what he was supposed to on the first read he was out of there which yeah it it sucks that the coaches asked him to do that but also in the back of his mind and now really only playing one game in a year plus it's like you're going to revert back to that mindset of, damn, if I don't see the first look, I'm I'm out of there. I'm running, <laughs> you know? He didn't and in that know, Cowboys the, game, though. But and I was going to say, too, with Sam Howell, you know, a lot of people looked at his rushing numbers in USC and it's assumed he was like this athletic scrambling type of quarterback, and that's furthest from the truth. Like, Sam Howell is not really that athletic. I don't, I don't even think he has Taylor Heineke's athleticism. But, like, to Doug's point, you know, he ran because the coaching staff wanted him to do that that year at UNC. And and I, I do commend him for that because he showed something. I mean, but in college, as we see, 
it can be a little easier to kind of generate those running yards from the quarterback position. I sat there and watched Tim Tebow, you know, just dominate college football for three years as a fullback masquerading as a quarterback. And he had no, he didn't have that, you know, quick twitch or that big time athletic ability in my opinion, but it looked good at the college level, but at the pro level, it, it, it didn't translate. So that's kind of one of the things I worried about with Sam uh, how and that, you know, his, escapability and his, you know, that athleticism that people kind of perceive that he had would transfer to the next level. But I did see some things in a Cowboys game to kind of, you know, show some flashes. I mean, he showed a, an ability, a gamer-like ability, kind of in a Taylor Heineke mode. I actually had a conversation with one of my good friends today, and he said that he likes Sam Howell, and he thinks that Sam Howell is like a better version of Taylor Heineke. And I said, if you get a better, better version of Taylor Heineke, that's a pretty damn good quarterback, because I felt like all Taylor Heineke is damn missing is a little bit better decision making and uh, the the arms the arm talent you know to kind of take him to that next level. So I mean, if you're getting that from Sam, that's fine. But again, I mean, I think he really has to come into training camp because he has to impress Eric Bieniemy, a guy who didn't have him last year, a guy who had no ties to him last year, and he has to beat out a very prepared veteran behind him. I'm sure Ron also asked Bieniemy during the interview process, like, how do you feel about how right, and do you think? You can make it work here because if you do, obviously that's good for everybody. So I don't think, you know, I, I'm sure the enemy's watched and, and has some kind of idea whether he likes him or not, or else they'd have probably tried to do something more at quarterback, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting overall, man. Um, like in my head, when I think about the quarterback situation altogether, uh, like you never, like you always hear like this area this city knows nothing outside of two quarterbacks with your team like it's always two it's not just one the only time that i in my lifetime right because i know about i know about uh uh, uh joe theisman i think even still him i think he had a uh, competition out there or it was another name that he was with as well but only time that you ever was unified at in a on a quarterback was one year and it was 2012. Like, that's the only time this area was unified on one quarterback. Outside of that, you're always talking about multiple quarterbacks here. And, and I think that with Washington this year, it's not going to change. Um, I, I don't think that people – and I'm not – I don't want to speak, like, about everybody in absolute. So I'm, I'm saying, like, generally speaking in this area, like, there's not a lot of patience for the quarterback position. Like, if things don't look good uh, in one game – uh, and, and it's the initial oppression, like all of a sudden, like it, 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 it's, it's terrible as opposed to just having a bad game um, and, and, and not being able to learn from that bad game. Uh, if somebody looks really good, it's, oh, this is a Hall of Fame quarterback. We may end up going to the Super Bowl with this guy. Um, I think the medium is going to be important with this year. But I don't even know. Again, as we continue, I don't know, like, who ends up winning out. I can see. Jacoby for the, the reasons that we talked about. I can see Jacoby winning out and, and really putting a damper in the expectations of the fan base. But what does that look like? How does that reaction look like? And, and, and I'm speaking from like a, an outside perspective, like inside, they're probably cool with it. But that doesn't mean that the outside pressure doesn't influence the decision making from the coaches. Ron Rivera has been influenced plenty of times. Um, and, and, and I don't know where like like the true matter we have speculation i don't know where the true matter of of putting carson Wentz in that <laughs> that cleveland game uh i don't know where that true mat that true decision came from like hit from a mental standpoint 
I don't know where the decision of um um uh, uh Sam Howe even going from playing half the game to the full game. Like obviously Taylor played an influence, but it wasn't just Taylor. Like that was probably the person who talked to him. It had to be more people or had to be more influences. Like I just don't know what this is going to look like when Jacoby and and Sam officially take off. Uh, like does does people start hating Jacoby because he's better than Sam, or does does Sam just not look good? Um, and and Ron still goes with him because he knows that he has to play the rookie or play the the second year player for from an optics standpoint. I don't know, but and, and that's kind of where my mind thinks about when I think about this competition this year. Well, and if Hal wins the job, let's say. And they start off poorly, uh, one in four, let's say, one in three, somewhere where you're like really feeling like you've got to make a move at quarterback. What exactly does that do? And, and this is why I've always said, like, I kind of hate the way that this is set up with Ron being both. Like, what what does good does it do the franchise to put in Brissett if you're already at like say one in four? Where does he get you to? I mean, if you're if you're struggling to climb back to five hundred, then you're drafting in the middle again. It's where this team has been stuck forever at 500. I just think if if Sam Howell can at all get out there, take the job, which I think he will, I think you just got to ride with him the year. And whatever happens, happens. And if it and if it and if it's terrible, then you put yourself in position for one of the better quarterback classes we've had in a long time. I tell you, Ron, Ron gonna be riding his ass back to Charlotte. I say the only thing I gotta say about this. Team. Only thing I gotta say about that, Doug, is like I understand the angle, but the more I the more I hear it, I, I do align with the side. Like Ron is trying to win, like he has to win. And and while it's okay in theory for us, the the team, the people who follow the team, who are cool with the team losing, I would be perfectly fine with Sam Howe starting. And and if you end up losing games with Sam, cool, like. Get your get your two your two wins or three wins out of the season, four wins out of the season, get a top five draft pick. But Ron is gonna look at that and be like, Oh my god, I'm one and four. Oh my god, this new owner looking at me, bro. He's saying he asked me every day, bro. When you gonna make right. that quarterback change? Oh my god, he's saying he's asking me, uh, what do you think about Cancun this time of the year? Like, oh my god, I don't know if I'm gonna make it till November. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and make this move right now because. I need to make sure that my ass is safe too. So, like, well, that's, so that's why the, that's why it's tough to do both, right? Because say you were the the brand new GM, that the you you would you would just assume roll with the young guy, and if things don't work well, then you've positioned yourself for the future. That's why I don't. I never liked the idea of the head of football ops and the head coach being the same guy because they have two exactly opposite jobs. Like one guy is supposed to be protecting the franchise for the future and the other guy is supposed to be winning right now that's that's why it's so tough to do that yeah so for me like this whole thing i don't care if sam howe goes out he goes one and four and i'm actually with you doug like if sam howe does go one one and four my personal opinion would be let him go ahead and finish out the season but i any result this year honestly just doesn't matter to me because I feel like Ron is a dead man walking in a sense. I mean, that's just the sentiment. Unless he has some kind of just kind of a really, really good season that makes new ownership just not even, you know, question should you bring this guy back. I mean, my expectations right now are 
around what he's pretty much done since his tenure has been here, which is seven, eight wins. That's my expectation. Obviously, as a fan, I hope they do more. I would love to see them do more. I want to root for them. I want to see them win. But if my expectations come true, Ron is out of the door and everyone else is out of the door after that. So that's why it's like, I don't even care if Ron has this big decision to make if Sam Howell goes one and four and he decides to go to Jacoby Brissett. Because at that point, it's like, hey, we already know that this is over after this. <laughs> you know, if, if that's the case, if this is where they are at that point in the season, we know for a fact that this owner is dying to get this guy out of here. But like I said, I'm going to root for a good outcome because I'm a Washington Commanders fan through and through, and I want to see these guys win. You know, but at the same time, this year is just so much like going to a casino or even shit. We just got betting legal in Maryland and, you know, last November, December. Every betting website gave us free money. That's what this feels like right now. It just feels like you're playing with house money at this point as a Washington Commanders fan because you just like, hey, and like as Pete said, this might be like a sequel in a movie right now that makes no sense. It's just a filler year or a filler episode in a great TV show. That's That may be what this season is, but at the end of the day, I'm just so hopeful because Dan Snyder's not going to be a part of any of this anymore. <laughs> so anything that happens now, and I'm like, hey, it's all good, you know. So hey, I feel might like as well. 20, yeah, I just feel like 2023 is kind of a insignificant year in the overall scheme of things as far as roster building goes. But I do feel like they have a good enough roster, and that's the that's what makes the situation so hopeful as well. I feel like they have a good enough roster that when on the new ownership decides to make a decision that they can go out and they're not going to have some kind of really bad season. They can just go aggressively, get a guy a quarterback, and then you're in the ball game. Hey, bro, let's get a uh, the day he sell, man. Y'all ask Pete. I say we go to, I say we go to the house, bro. You know what I'm saying? I say we go get a section at the house. You know what I'm saying? Turn up, turn up on Georgia AF. You know what I'm saying? Get, get drunk with uh, why AJ look, AJ don't like. <laughs> And you don't like that idea, bro? You ain't trying to go to the house, bro? Now, AJ is Dan Snyder fan. Dan Snyder, I mean, AJ man. made some enemies this week. AJ made some oh, enemies on Twitter this bro. week, man. They're, they're oh, I've seen them, AJ though. in the spaces. Oh, man. Mm. They're mad at AJ's uh, lack of enthusiasm in the spaces. <laughs> this must have been about Sam Howe, then. I, it no, had it to be about Dan Snyder. Like, AJ, AJ made a tweet that he got some... Nah, they want, me, they want me to go crazy about yeah, Daniel Snyder for some reason. Like, man, I like the fact that he spent money. <laughs> See, that's... But that's how I expect it, because AJ's only thinking about football. Like, it's really yeah, yeah, just right, football right, that's it. AJ. Yeah, so it, yeah. it, it is what it is. But even for um, football, Dan Snyder ain't been shit. <laughs> yeah, he's been an idiot. All, all steps of the way. Um, okay, fellas. Doug, I'll give you the plug right quick. Anything and everything that you got going on, appreciate you joining us for the show, the entire show as well, chopping up with Pete Haley and, and obviously the Trapper Dive crew, man. What you got going on? No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, it's uh, at uh, Doug McCray NFL is the Twitter account and uh, the, the Big Douglas Show, anywhere you get your podcast, we do uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So uh, check that out. Yes, sir. Everybody in the chat, I know I, I didn't say nothing earlier, but I see you as always. Hawk, I see you. Appreciate you checking in out too. I see you. I see you. Peacecraft, Monty, uh, the fellas, man. Appreciate y'all checking in. Uh, make sure y'all hit that like button. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. AJ, Dre, we back next week, man. Um, I'm working on the guests. We'll keep that posted. Uh, fingers crossed. Um, keep working on them, but yeah. Y'all take it easy. We're going to have Jeff Bezos on here next week. <laughs> 
He's got the Lido's, right? They said he got the Lido's pizza. We're going to shoot the show from Lido's hey, pizza. Hey, man, I heard, I heard Josh Harris was at Maggiano's. Hey. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Make something shake. The, the waiter from the Maggiano's had the scoop. Oh, man. All right, we out of here, bro. Y'all take it easy. Peace. Damn, set, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We're going to pick it up. You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap or Dive. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.